You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. All right, everyone. Today is a great show with the Simple Pin Podcast. I am interviewing Kelly Snyder, who is quite possibly one of my most favorite people. She's full of energy. She's so exciting to talk to. She's creative. And she is by far just the biggest genius I know when it comes to marketing. And so I would like to welcome to the show, Kelly Snyder. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Kate, for having me. You betcha. So first, before we dive in, tell people where you blog, what you do, kind of your whole gig. Okay. I have a lifestyle blog. I mean, aren't they all lifestyle blogs? I have a lifestyle blog that is definitely tailored for women over 40. And so I kind of say that my filter is how are we going to outdo our younger selves? That blog is redefinedmom.com. And then this year, I just launched my very first e-course that teaches women how to dress. We basically take how fashion is created, which is through science and math, which is a little shocking to people that it's not just art and creativity, that there's actual formulas and rules behind fashion. Mm -hmm. And we've created an e-course called Adore Your Wardrobe, and it's available at adoreyourwardrobe.com. And I've heard it's so awesome from friends who have taken it. They have said that it has completely revolutionized the way that they look at how they dress, which like you said, with the math and science, they never even thought about it that way. So if anybody has an opportunity to sign up for this class, you definitely should. And I know I should because I am definitely fashion challenged. I need some all the help I can get. So oh, well, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. It's a something that's always been a passion of mine. And I just love being able to help women kind of be their best selves. And so this is one way that I'm able to do that. Yeah, I love that for sure, too. And that's your mission, too, and where you've come into now. But I want to give people a little bit of a backstory. Did you always start with Redefined Mom or did you start off somewhere else and kind of merge into this? That's a great story. So I started blogging the middle of 2009. And my first blog was called Kansas City Mamas, which is like the best name ever known to man, right? So so (laughs) And of course, I was I call myself an accidental blogger, because I didn't know what blogging was like, I had no idea. I mean, honestly, when I started my blog, I thought like I had just revolutionized something, right? Like, you know, that I was one of the only blogs on the internet, whatever. You were going to solve all the world's problems. I mean, because I was a blogger. And so that's why we picked such an amazing name. And (laughs) so I blogged on that blog for several years. And my focus on that blog was really kind of what our family was going through, which was we had just kind of gotten, we were basically in the middle of the recession. And I had just recently stayed home to be a stay-at-home mom with my kids. I had left my corporate gig and my husband was a self-employed remodeling contractor. And so when the economy totally tanked, so did our income. And so it was kind of just like my journal of how we were having to really become frugal and really pinch our pennies in order to stay afloat. And I did that for a number of years before basically deciding on redefine mom. And I guess kind of the pivot point came is like, as our family came out of the recession, I realized that what I was talking about wasn't necessarily authentic to myself. We, you know, I 
felt like it was a little bit of a disconnect to sit there and talk about, you know, how to, you know, best tips for going to a garage sale and getting great stuff. And then I would turn around and buy a coach purse on my own. It just felt like there was this disconnect that was happening. And so I started Redefine Mom. I had two blogs for a while. I had Redefine Mom kind of on the side. And that was kind of like my happy place. It was the place that I talked about fashion and I talked about makeup and I talked about beauty products. And I talked about basically just life for an over 40 woman because I really felt like there wasn't a good place for that on the internet. Like when I would type in fashion over 40, I would get like these pictures of what in my mind was a grandma. Like I was like, I would never yes. dress like that. There is there, you know, it, cruise wear. Oh my gosh. There was so much, poly- <laughs> it was like polyester city, right? Like, I yes. mean, you could have like put it in in like a big, huge clump, shoved it in your suitcase, stomped on it 17 times and pulled it out. And it would have been wrinkle free. Oh, so bad. And I just felt like there wasn't a space that was talking about things that I was going through of having my kids were becoming older and I was having more time to focus on myself and who I was in my 20s wasn't necessarily who I was in my 40s. And I really wanted that opportunity to kind of explore that. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision, my husband and I made the decision to basically bring both blogs together. And that happened in July of 2014, I think if I have my numbers right. Yes, because that is when, so I will say this really quickly. So when I saw Redefined Mom, I had read it and I had met you at Savvy Blogging. I think it was in Cincinnati. And when I was hearing you talk, I was just thought it was so genius because you were talking about targeting your audience and targeting your ideal person and being very intentional about that. And so when I came across Redefined Mom, I emailed you right away and just said, This is genius because it is identifying with so many women who are coming out of this weird stay-at-home mom, little kid phase, I can't wear anything nice because my kids are puking up on it or whatever, to this new phase. And so that is how we met initially because I had just emailed you and said, I just need you to know this is awesome. I so remember that. I remember you, and it was after I wrote a post about why your bra makes you look fat. Yes. It was so awesome. <laughs> Cause I was like, so adamant. I had so many girlfriends that were wearing like the wrong size bra and not by like, kind of, but like, yeah, by a lot. Like they're three cup sizes oh, too small. Geez. And they're like, why don't my shirts work? I need my bigger shirts. And I'm like, dude, it's your bra. Yeah. 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 I remember that exactly. So yeah. So then, yeah. So it was what it was. It was 2014 that we decided mm-hmm. to put both of them together partially because you know, like I said, I needed to be authentic to myself and our family had got out of basically that recession frugal time. And then also like, it was just time, like it was time for me to kind of really dive into those feelings. And I really felt like that was where my passion lied. And so we did a complete pivot in that summer of 2014, which was a little scary because you're basically taking one audience that was very much one way focused. And now you're totally pivoting into something that's completely different. And I think for there's so much fear that goes into that when you want to pivot in a blog. And what I've told so many people so many times over and over again is that I always feel like blogs are a living and breathing thing. And that if you aren't passionate about what you're writing anymore, it's really okay to pivot. Will you lose some readers in the process? Probably. Will a lot of your readers stay because they just really identify with you regardless of what you're talking about? Absolutely. But then will you grow substantially because you're talking about something you're passionate about now? Absolutely. So it is fearful that, you know, your blog or your business is totally going to tank. But I think for me, it was the best decision we ever made. 
Yeah. And for those wondering, like, how does Pinterest play into this? One very interesting thing that happened at that time was after Kelly and I had met, we met then in San Diego after I had sent that email and you had hired me. And at that time, Simple Pin was very small. It was very much, I think I had three clients and you were my fourth one or something like that. Yes. And you had said, I'm going through this rebrand. I need to completely overhaul my Pinterest page because it was very much still Kansas City Mamas. It was very frugal. How do we really transition the page? And for you at that time too, as well, you had been a late adopter to Pinterest. You had been like so many of us who was like, we, you know, what is this going to do? Is it even important? I'm not going to focus any of my efforts there, whatever. But then it became this need to really transition into changing that whole page. So we went through a big redirect of the URLs as well, because you changed from Kansas City Mamas to the Redefined Mom. And there was a whole process with Pinterest at that time. And it was very smooth. I will say that. we didn't. There was not an interruption. And actually, I think that that was your decision to rebrand completely catapulted your Pinterest strategy and your Pinterest presence it was off the charts. And also people should know at this time, July of 2014 was the month before the switch to smart feed, the big algorithm change on Pinterest. And so as many people were incredibly concerned about where their traffic was going, you hadn't had a lot of traffic, which was, you know, you didn't start way up high, you were starting low, but really it took things off for you. Like it really sent it into the next level. Is that a good way to describe it? Gosh, yeah. I mean, I think it was Pinterest by far and away was the number one driver of traffic and new email signups and all of that after we decided to rebrand. I mean, I think when as your fourth client, I think we maybe at that time, I think I maybe had what, like 3000 followers. Yes. 3000. Yeah, maybe. And I just said, okay, I'm going to go all in. I've always been, I've always been a marketer and I've always been a visual marketer. Like I've always, my training's been in like advertising and it's always been in print advertising. I've always loved billboards and all of that. And so to me, Pinterest was this perfect fit of that. It was really about that you could develop a brand on Pinterest where people would start to see the same kind of look over and over and over again. And not necessarily, it's not the same image, but it's just the same typefaces and the same kind of angle with your photos and the same kind of like close up or not so close up, you know, whatever that would be. And that I knew that if we consistently did what we needed to do, we could definitely catapult the business. And that's exactly what happened. Yes, that was a huge key with that. And I used Kelly in a data study that I had done earlier this year, figuring out, do branded images make a difference in your traffic? Does it matter? Because there was a lot of conversation about just having a nice image, but you took it that one step further in making sure that it was, like you said, the right angle, the same font. It was very consistent. So if I was going through the Pinterest feed, I could figure out just by the image alone that it was from the redefined mom and how it looked. And you also did, I will say this as well, a great job at using the right words on your photos. You were very strategic about that. So for you, what was what was your process in choosing words that were on those photos? Or did you just kind of wing it? No, I think it's it was twofold. I remember we had a very long conversation one day that you said, 
we were discussing kind of images and then we were discussing the descriptions and what needed to be in there. And you kept telling me, you know, you've only got a few seconds on the photo mm-hmm. that it has to grab their attention. And then if it grabs their attention, pull them down into the description. And I remember that something clicked in me that day that that's, I mean, that's like billboard advertising 101 that you've essentially got, you know, the time that somebody's in a car, which is between three and five seconds to grab their attention to make them think. And so I always tried to pick photos that weren't necessarily, I always tried to pick photos that were engaging. I always tried to pick headlines that would bring people in. It wasn't ever link bait. I didn't want to create like those kind of images, but I wanted it to be that whatever you if you clicked on the image and, or you clicked on, you clicked on it to go to the website that what you thought you were getting was exactly what you were getting in the article. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just took the same philosophy to my headlines as I did to SEO, you know, really researching the keywords, really researching kind of phrasing, making sure that both of those things matched up because I wanted a good click through rate. I didn't want, you know, we all know that situation where we're on Pinterest and we click on something and we think it's going to be one thing. And then we get to their site and it's like completely and totally opposite. Bait and switch. Oh my God. And it, it torques you off. Like you're angry, Mm -hmm. like you're mad. And I never wanted that. I wanted my click through rates to be high because I remember the other thing we always talked about was repins were great. And like, it's not to say that repins are bad, but like in the end, I wanted people on my site. And then Mm -hmm. I, from the site, I wanted them to collect email addresses. Like that was the funnel that we needed to create. Yes. And that's a really good point that I think a lot of people need to hear over and over that there are very, there's so many metrics on Pinterest that you can pay attention to. Follower number is really great. It's a good number to look at, but more followers doesn't always equal more traffic. And the same with repins. More repins doesn't always equal more traffic. So how do I get the target person that I'm looking for, the redefined mom, to click through and to engage with my content and become somebody who's a loyal fan? And that's the goal right there. That's why you use Pinterest. That's why you know, you're strategic in your images and all of that. I think the next phase that is important to note is that in this switch of Kansas City Mom is a redefined mom, about a year later, like even even more than a year later, May of 2015, you had gone to Mom 2.0 and you heard some really great information about having less boards, but more boards that were really active and engaging and targeted to your audience. So tell everyone what you came home with your huge bright idea. Okay. So I, I sat in on a, it was the weirdest thing. It was just this panel and it was social media influencers and they had, they had somebody from Facebook that was pretty big, some people from Instagram and then handmade Charlotte from, and she was talking about Pinterest and she was the only one that was talking about Pinterest. And at that time, Pinterest was still kind of this, you know, it was on the download that like, there was only maybe a few people that really had a direct relationship with Pinterest and everything. They, Pinterest hadn't really developed their blog yet or their email system, you know, which now they are so much more open kimono about a bunch of information. But at that time, it still felt like things were still kind of a little bit close to the chest. And she said flat out that Pinterest really rewarded people that curated amazing boards and that they had amazing profiles, that they wanted curators. They didn't want people that just pinned and pinned and pinned and pinned and pinned. They wanted people that were actively curating great content into boards. And so she started with that. And that was like a light bulb moment for me because so much of the information that had came out before people having success 
they were just talking over and over and over again about like, we'll just keep pinning more, you know, that they were pinning a hundred or 150 or 200 times a day with their content. So they had this philosophy of like, I'm just going to shove as much of it as I can into the barrel and hopefully Mm -hmm. something of it sticks. And for her to say flat out, it isn't about more pins. It was about who are you as a curator? And then the second thing that she did is she said flat out that Pinterest loves people's profiles with less boards. And she said the magic number was from Pinterest had been in when she had the conversations was 50, you know, that that was kind of her number. And I remember mm-hmm. I came back home and I said, she's exactly right. Like my, if you look mm-hmm. through my profile, like I am all over the board. Like we were part of group boards that we had no business being as for my brand had no business belonging to. We were part of, I should say we, but I was part of, so I was part of group boards I shouldn't have belonged to. I had boards on my site that really weren't, they weren't anything. They were like some, it was like Halloween decorations for kids or something lame like that. And we went in and I think at that time I maybe had 78 or 80 boards, which. Yeah, you had 80. Okay. Which still in compared to a lot of people's profiles, isn't a ton. No. But I went in and I said, okay, let's get down to 50. Let's do the most that we can and see if we can get down there. And I remember you were like, (laughs) and at that time I should note too, you were not able to move a board to secret. You had to delete it. So we had to intentionally make the choice that we were okay with losing followers, which I fully admit that I deleted one board that I shouldn't have. And Kelly emails me and she's like, why did I lose 400 followers overnight? I'm like, what? So anyway, All that to say, it was not an easy time to reduce down the number of your boards. No, and you thought I was crazy too, because I did a little bit. Yeah, at the time, that was not what people were talking about. But like, I think both of us sat, like, when we looked at the logic behind it, it made total sense of Mm -hmm. creating, you know, really curating great content and having less boards to curate that really great content. And then also just providing a really great user experience so that if somebody came onto my profile as redefined mom, they knew exactly what they were getting into. So it wasn't this hodgepodge of like, you know, 150 things and they really weren't quite sure what I was about. They knew instantaneously what I was going to be about and what kind of information they were going to receive if they followed me. Yeah. So we lost, we did, we lost a few followers, but I don't think I ever stressed about it uh, except for that one email where I was like, what happened? (laughs) We lost some followers, but then it leveled out and it was kind of crazy. Like, cause that was, was that, that was May of 2015. May of 2015. So it was a year ago and you exploded. So it was really this combination of you'd gone through the rebrand, you'd gone through the targeting of who your person was and creating those branded images. And you took it to the next level with really paring down your boards, which just, it was like a rocket. I mean, it really made so much sense, especially when it came to group boards, because your boards were heavy, heavy group boards. And while they might have gotten good views, you wouldn't have wanted the redefined mom target person to land on your board and follow that. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I was thinking to myself, that was May of 2015. And so I remember we kept with our strategy and we kept with curating great content. We kept with, you know, really analyzing every group board and every board I had. I think we even after the first purge, we went through and did a second one Mm -hmm. later on in that fall. And then it was, I remember at the end of December, I think I had finally hit, I have to look at my number because it's so crazy when we talk about what my numbers are now. I remember we got, we got to like the magic that like over 10,000 mark. 
Yes. And I was, was, cool. I was through the roof because it felt like it took forever it did. to get there. Right. Like, and so mm-hmm. we had kind of, maybe it was like between 10 and 12,000 is what we had kind of hit at the end of December. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it got fun this year. Mm-hmm. It did. And you're at currently what at 35,000? I'm at almost 37,000. 37,000. Okay. So that means from, you know, July of 2014 to now, so almost two years growing by over 30,000 yeah. followers, which is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think like it's, it's all of that though. Like I think the follower number was crazy. Cause I remember I looked at my goals for 2016 and my end goal, like the end of this year, my goal was supposed to be having 25,000 followers on Pinterest. And I would be surprised yeah. if we don't hit 50. Yes, I would be too. By the end. But I think the other thing that happened was we saw an explosion in traffic that happened in this year as well. And so when everybody else was talking about how they were struggling with traffic, I never had that experience. Mm-hmm. We we just consistently have always done well and well year over year. And it's been that way this entire year. Like we haven't experienced the same kind of dips that maybe other people have had. Yes, I would agree with that. It's I think when you started with me, you had like 9,000 page views a month from Pinterest. Yeah. And it's definitely not that now. It's much, much higher. But it was very interesting even to see from the very, very beginning that small number and just having it catapult up, which I think the key is, and a lot of people listening might want to know the answer to this question, is um, we talked about who your target person is, but how did you really hone in on that? Like, how did you really, not just your own experiences as you being the redefined mom, but how did you really start to get into the mindset of how can I write for them? How can I create images for them? And then how can I create a Pinterest board around them? Like really, what are your key things that you would tell someone as they're looking to find that ideal target person? I think the most important thing that anyone can do is do reader surveys. And that goes, I mean, it's almost full circle to where we started this conversation where you had saw me at Savvy Blogging and I had really talked about niching down and understanding your target market. And the way that I have always done that is a reader survey. And I've had people argue with me time and time again and talk about, well, I can get information from Google Analytics or I can get information from Quantcast or I can get information from here. And that, that's all true. You can totally get a lot of demographic information from all of those things. But the piece of the puzzle that you can't get is you can't really deep dive into somebody's psyche to see what they really want. I've always been, I've done reader surveys every year since I started blogging and I've always done them through SurveyMonkey because they allow you the ability to have the, as I refer to it, the if, then, then this kind of question. Hmm. So if they answer A, then you're able to set up another set of questions that goes along with A. And if they answer B, then you're able to give a, a completely different set of questions that goes along with B. And I just really deep dived into their psyche. So I took my readers, like who are my readers that are reading me day in and day out and really dove into them to figure out what they really wanted and what needs were not being met. And then also if I knew about something that I was passionate about or I was thinking about writing about or some things that I wanted to maybe explore, I would ask them flat out, like if that was of an interest to them or not. And it was a great way for me to realize that my what my current audience needed, but then also what my future audience would probably need as well. Like I had a time frame where I was going to start doing travel. In my mind, that's it's something that my family and I love to do. And so I was like, well, why wouldn't I write about it on the blog? 
And then I kind of did a deep dive into it. And I found out like that that wasn't really anything that my readers were really interested about. Like from that age perspective, that demo, my demo, they were like, I get, you know, they were getting their information about travel from somewhere else and they didn't want it from me. And so that just allowed me to take an idea completely off the table and go and focus on something else instead that was going to provide me traffic and was going to provide me income and was going to provide me more readers in the long run. Right. And for someone who's listening, that let's say they are like, well, I, I just get 100% Google traffic or not 100%, but let's say 50. And for you, you get about 50% from Pinterest, which we know Pinterest traffic is a little bit like Google traffic. They're sticky, they're jumpy, they move around a lot. But is it still important for someone to do a reader survey if they feel like they don't have a lot of engaged people, like they don't have the consistent traffic from an email list or direct traffic. Absolutely. Because I think if you're trying to, how do I want to say this? If you've decided you're going to niche down your site or you're, you have a niche that you're wanting to go after. And let's say that your niche is going to be, you are going to do camping recipes. That's going to be your thing. It's going to be stuff that you can go out with the tent, with the fire, and that's what you're going to do. And if you've decided that that's your niche and people are coming into your site to understand, you know, to get camping recipes, because that's what you do really well. And that's what the traffic is coming in for. Why wouldn't you want to tap that information, those people to see what else they really are interested in or what other things they want to know about so that you can provide a service for them that will hopefully make them instead of just people that bounce in and out are people that stay around by either, you know, opting in with an email or deciding to follow you on different social media than just Pinterest. You know, maybe they become a Facebook follower as well or an Instagram follower, whatever that is. I always think Pinterest allows us this ability to really tap into our demographic. And that's pretty hard to do anywhere else because you'll find, you know, people start searching for the same kind of like things. I mean, that's, that's how Pinterest does their feed right now, right? It's like the Mm -hmm. things you've searched for before, they find pins that are kind of relative to that kind of stuff and they put them in your feed. So it's no different that if you have a demographic that you're looking for, why wouldn't you want to, you know, pull from those people in order to kind of grow your business? Right. And do you offer, like when you do these reader surveys, what are the best incentives to get people to fill them out? Because if you do have that quick bouncy traffic, how do you keep them engaged? You can do it many different ways. What I usually do is I provide some sort of giveaway. And so maybe it's, you know, three $50 Nordstrom's cards that I'm going to give away to people that get all the way through the survey and leave me their email and opt in to basically be part of the giveaway. I've known other people that have given away a freemium if they go all the way through the survey. So again, let's say that we are doing the, it's the site that has camping recipes, that they would offer maybe a really quick ebook that they would give them at the end after they complete the survey, you know, and basically give their email address. So I think that there's definitely ways that you can incentivize, you know, to get the information that you need. It's just kind of whatever you think is going to work best for your audience. Okay. Got it. And so now that you've completed the reader survey, you have all this information, you you're combing through it. How does that affect your strategy going forward? Not just on the site, but also with Pinterest. How do you kind of combine those two? So for me, it's, you start to like, you start to see kind of your demographic coming and you start to see some more, like, what are they interested in? Because hopefully you've asked some pretty open-ended questions or you've allowed them to pick from a 
you know, myriad of topics that you're interested in writing in, or there's multiple ways that you can glean this information from a survey. And then from a Pinterest perspective, it's kind of going in and seeing like, well, what's my competition level and how can I do it better? An example I will give is that one of the things that I talk about is kind of whole living and holistic approaches to, to life. And that's, and that's, it's a pretty broad spectrum of what that looks like. But for our family, one of the things we do is that we do use essential oils. Now, I don't sell essential oils. I'm not into the MLM, but it's just something that we do. And so I noticed that in one of my reader surveys that they said, hey, we're really interested in, you know, kind of understanding more about whole living and holistic approaches and essential oils was one of those things. And so I went and did some research and I started to see kind of what is my competition and From there, you can start to make some pretty good decisions. Like you can say, again, like if we gave the example of the camping, the people that were going to do camp food, so food that, you know, you get when you're camping and say that one of the things that they came back with is they said, hey, we really want to know how to cook from a Dutch oven. Like that's something that's super important to us. And so I went and did research. You would go and do research on Pinterest and you would just type in a very generic phrase of like how to use Dutch oven while camping and just kind of see what the competition is and kind of see what the top posts are and then decide how can you do that better. So maybe instead of just creating like a series of different Dutch oven recipes, maybe instead what you do is you create like the ultimate Dutch oven cooking guide. And Mm. so it goes through, you know, it goes through which Dutch oven you should use. It talks about how you should use your Dutch oven over coals. It talks about these are the top three recipes for breakfast. These are the top three recipes for lunch. These are the top three recipes for dinner. Here's for dessert. Here's how to care for your Dutch oven. So you create like kind of this ultimate post that really incorporates a lot of those things because A, you know, your, your traffic or your demographic wants it and B, you now know how to make it better than what else is going on on Pinterest. And I think by doing those simple things, it really helps catapult your traffic on Pinterest. Cause if you create a super post that really does an amazing job and create a great graphic to go with it, it's going to skyrocket. I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. go through the roof just because you're doing all of the right things to create a really valuable piece of information that people want to click through and read. Yes. And if you're also taking it to the next level, you need to make sure that you have an affiliate link for that to be able to buy that Dutch oven. And that opens up a whole new revenue stream, especially if that post goes viral and it gets shared a lot. They can buy the tool that you keep talking about that's so awesome. And as a consumer, I can tell you right away that if someone has sold me on the uses of this particular product, I am going to buy it because I see the value. You've presented the value that it can add to my life or fun or things with my kids or whatever. And I need that product to be able to complete what you're talking about. And so, so many times I see these amazing posts that people have written and there is no way for me to buy the product. Yeah. And that is a huge miss. No, no, definitely affiliate link. And especially if you're in a state that allows Amazon, I know sometimes there's nexus laws that don't allow that, but Amazon is such a trusted retailer. And let's be honest, they have everything. Like (laughs) they do everything. Amazon sells everything to just be able to put those affiliate links in. And I think to your point too, Kate, that it's just when you create one of those super posts and do so much work on them and really sell the whole philosophy on them, yeah, you're creating a great resource and a lot of information, but why wouldn't you go ahead and put those affiliate links in? Because you've sold it on them. They realize how great that this item is going to be 
and they want to buy it, you know, because you've recommended it and you've recommended it in a way that feels very authentic. It feels informational. It feels like it's the truth. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, click bait and switch or any of the rest of it. So yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. things. Yes. And I really, I would encourage people to, to, even if you're doing this fantastic cupcake recipe and it's not like a Dutch oven, which is super unique. Also think of things that people would find super useful for cupcakes, whether it's a piping bag or you showed these really cute straws that you had your cupcakes at a party or whatever. Really give the opportunities. Think of overturn all rocks that people can to buy a product from you. And granted, you're not going to make a gazillion dollars off this post. But if you make $50 off of something that people are just buying when you're getting a lot of traffic to it, that's great. That's still $50 you didn't have before. And so always make sure you're monetizing your posts, especially with Pinterest traffic, because Pinterest traffic is ready to buy. They are willing, they've been primed to make purchases. I think the number that I heard before is like the average sale from a Pinterest user is like $100. $35 or something like that. I don't know how I can accurately back that up. I haven't done studies, but I've seen people who've done studies. So we'll just throw that number out there with a big grain of salt. It's somewhere in the $100. But that is a really important note that I think people need to always make sure that they're camping on. If you pardon the pun, if you will. We're talking about camping. Yes. Okay, so rounding it all out, we've talked about what the user can do to really streamline their Pinterest page. We've talked about honing in on your target audience. And we've talked about creating content to give them more of that. Is there anything else that anyone would need to know to really keep their head down and keep focused? I guess maybe the better question is when they get distracted by what other people are doing on Pinterest that looks more appealing, maybe shiny object syndrome is a good one. How do you really keep on track to make sure that you're continually giving your target audience what they need and not looking at someone else's target audience? Man, that's such a great question. And it's one that I think every blogger business person can struggle with. I try desperately not to compare myself with anybody, which is hard to do. But I think specifically with our Pinterest philosophy, I've always came back down to like, again, that statement that I had heard at mom 2.0, which is Pinterest rewards people who create an amazing user experience and curate good boards. And I know that sounds so simplistic, right? Like, you know, create a good user experience, be a good curator. But I think it's really true that Pinterest wants Pinterest wants people to have an amazing experience on Pinterest. They don't want people to click on an image and then go to a website and have it be something spammy or gross or nasty or not even something that remotely looks like the picture. They want people to have fun. They want people to find out about new things and they want them to be adventurous and they want them to learn about something that maybe they hadn't learned about before or be a place that they can do research for. But again, that comes down to making it the best experience you can. And, you know, it comes down to having great images. It comes down to having great content that the images are placed on. You know, I still am a firm believer that content is key. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to your pinning philosophy, I really do believe that less is more, that we would be better off, or we have been at least, you and I have Mm -hmm. been better served on my account by you know, a less is more philosophy that it's about creating a great experience. It's about having really good boards and it's constantly evaluating. I mean, we 
still to this day, both you and I talk about boards and we will analyze them. And then sometimes we say no to certain boards. We've been contacted by big brands and asked to be part of them. And it's just not a good fit. And it's okay to say no, if it's not going to be a good fit for your demo. And there's a lot of people that don't have that philosophy and they just pin a gazillion times a day and that may be working for them. And that's great. But I still go back to because we've had the simplistic philosophy, we have been able to weather a lot of tides that have happened on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And we've always came back up and always had great page views. And we've always had great, you know, our follower accounts are always going up. And it's just because we're always worried about that end user always. Yeah, I think that's so great. That's such a good place to kind of wrap this up that anybody who is really struggling with trying to figure out their direction It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be targeted. And that target doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be very simple. What are you going for? Who are you trying to market to? And keep your head down and keep focused on that. And don't look at what other people are doing. Don't compare your follower number to someone else. Because as we've noted, like followers don't always equal more traffic. And we have lots of powerful examples of people who have a very low number of followers who's starting out just like you, you had low and you really took off in traffic. And that did translate to more followers, which was fantastic. But I just love the advice that you're giving to people. I think it's really practical, it's hands-on and it's doable. It's not difficult and it will yield great results over time. So I just completely appreciate you sharing all of this. And if people want to go follow what you're doing and follow the progress of your boards and the continual evolution of them over time to be more targeted. <laughs> less so, and less and less. <laughs> yeah, that guy's going to get it down to like 10 boards. <laughs> so give them some places of where they can go to find out what you're doing. Sure. So the blog is redefinedmom.com. That has all my social media sharing on there. And then adoreyourwardrobe.com is the fashion e-course. You can also find me there. And then if you want to find me on Pinterest, I know this is completely probably, Kate is still probably shaking her head. I am at Kelly L. Snyder, which is my name on Pinterest. Or you can probably search Redefined Mom and I would come up as well. Yes. Kelly at Redefined Mom will come up just fine. I do that one all the time. She's like, why is it your name? I know. At least it comes up in your cute little picture and all that kind of stuff. So yes, go follow Kelly. Go check out her course, especially if you're needing help with the fashion end of things, because it is so awesome. And thanks so much, Kelly. We just really appreciate the time that you took to give us all this information. Thanks, Kate. It was such a fun to be on here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kelly. Kelly is so much fun to talk to. I loved this episode, listening to the great things that she has used to target her audience and to find that ideal reader, customer, and consumer. You can find all the information that we've talked about and show notes at simplepinmedia.com slash four. I would also love it if you could leave a review in iTunes so more people can listen to this great information about Pinterest. 